and welcome to Inspiring Women Leaders, the podcast about leadership by women only, from which everyone can learn. Inspiring Women Leaders aims to showcase the extensive leadership knowledge and practical skills of its incredible guests, and to both inspire and educate its listeners, helping them acquire the know-how necessary to become better leaders themselves. Without further ado, I'd now like to welcome my guest. So please, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Today, I'm really excited to welcome to the show my good friend and fellow physician coach, Dr. Mary Rental. Mary Rental, MD, is the founder of BrainFresh, a brain-based time management system for busy professional women for enhanced joy and peace. She's co-founder of Brain Ops Group, a group focused on optimizing brain performance to achieve better business outcomes. She's an assistant professor of neurology at the Cleveland Clinic Learner College of Medicine and director of pediatric multiple sclerosis and wellness of the Mellon Center of the Cleveland Clinic. She graduated from the Medical College of Ohio and completed her neuroimmunology fellowship training at the Cleveland Clinic. She's board certified in both neurology and integrated medicine and is a fellow of the American Academy of Neurology. Dr. Rental's work is focused on adult and pediatric multiple sclerosis, brain health, and integrated medicine. Her work in academic medicine often intersects with wellness, advocacy, innovation, entrepreneurship, and strategic initiatives. She has been the best doctor in Cleveland since 2010, as per the Cleveland Magazine. She is a past president of the Women's Professional Staff Association of the Cleveland Clinic. She is active as an advanced peer coach, mentor, scientific reviewer, clinical researcher, activity director, book editor, entrepreneur, and national speaker. She's appeared on numerous media outlets, including Good Morning America. She can be contacted via drmaryrensall at gmail.com, and her social media links can be found on Linktree as dr.maryrensall, and I'll put these in the show notes. I, I feel exhausted just, just <laughs> reading all that out. You're such a, an amazing, busy person. What what an incredible mission and so varied. And I think it's fair to say that Dr. Rensley is leading the way with inspiration and helping so many people in so many different ways. So without further ado, let's meet Dr. Mary Rensel. Welcome to the show, Mary. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and speak to the show's audience. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure, Adam. I, I'm honored. Oh, no, the honor is all mine. I've, I've been so excited about this. Uh, we've known each other quite a while now, and you just, it's going to be a brilliant show. <laughs> so, oh, wow. So I've I've read um, all this, you know, kind of official formal, um, you know, bio out, but um, is, is there anything you'd like to kind of tell us in your own words, um, tell the audience a bit more about yourself, what your current work roles are, um, what leadership positions you currently hold? That'd be right. great. Yes, yes. So I'm still working neuroimmunologist. Um, I work part time, so that's uh, sometimes unique. Uh, in that, on my part time, uh, during my part time off of doctor role, then I I started a business, and I really enjoyed that during COVID. Like our, you know, we we become friends through coaching um, during COVID. So you know, this uh, opening a business and bumping into other business owners and entrepreneurs has really just been so exciting at a time when you know, the world really, you know, obviously shut down and there were less opportunities to bump into people and to build and develop. 
um, you know, I just, I was so glad that I said yes to a business coach and that uh, helped me to meet you and other amazing people who want to see the world a better place, you know, and are doing our bit, you know, in our own town and communities. And uh, yeah, so I'm honored. I'm honored to be here. And I'm, yeah, I would just say to folks, you know, just say yes to those little, that little voice inside when it says, do something new today. <laughs> you never know where you might meet someone like Adam from across the world, you know? So this is, this is how you keep life exciting. Oh my gosh, that's wonderful. No, the uh, the feeling is extremely mutual. I mean, what what an amazing class um, of of Entre MD Business School we were in, and uh, mm-hmm. so much so much good has has come out of it. So, anyway, thank you for personalizing your um, your intro a little bit for the audience. Uh-huh. Okay, so lots of leadership roles um, at at a high level, local, regional, national. Um, can you tell us a bit about your personal leadership style, please? Yeah, I'm I'm one of those collaborative folks and I I like to really kind of get to know something about everybody on my team so that I you know like this weekend I was at a leadership development course for uh neurologists and it was really exciting to just see even over a weekend's time so 3 days how we could take a smaller team they broke us down into small teams and I was leading a team of 3 how we could share resources get to know each other build off what each other knew. And it wasn't just me as a leader. It was them teaching me, us sharing resources. So I'm I'm definitely a collaborative. I like to get to know folks, you know, at a more personal level, not just professional, so that I I can know what makes them tick and what's really important to them. I also really love to know what really is making them mad right now. What is bothering them? What are they really tired of seeing? Because a lot of times we dig into that because that's likely where their passion lies. Um, so I, I like to talk about emotions. Emotions are okay with me. We talk about them because a lot of times they bring me to a place where like, oh, they'll be willing to work on something because it's important to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. So so collaborative leadership style. So, I mean, mm-hmm. very much, um, you know, almost preordained that you're going to go into coaching as well, as well as medicine then. Um, and I love that. And wanting to know what, you know, kind of people's, difficulties are and what's making them angry and what's making them emotional and kind of really tapping right. into that so um you can you can kind of harness that passion so. right i think it's okay to speak about that you know i think i'm okay with hearing that what makes them mad i want to see what really fires them up um yeah. because otherwise if there's no passion there's no energy there's um you know because otherwise people sometimes won't share that like they will keep that to themselves because they yeah. think that's something wrong or bad about that but i you know i feel you know, the books I've read have, have, you know, shared with me and I helped to illustrate with me that that's actually where the magic is. That's the key. What makes you angry. Um, So go back to that. That's the moment. Like what throughout the day, what really great and what really just, I want to see people have more opportunities. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's great. Thank you. That's, that's a very unique answer. I've not, not had that before. So thank you. Thank you so much Mm -hmm. for that. That's really interesting. Um, Can you tell us a bit about your journey to leadership then just kind of pre-leadership and and how you got those first roles and how they took off? Right. So, you know, I never considered myself a leader at the beginning, you know, so as I didn't have anyone in medicine in my family, I just was always drawn to science um, I just always like to figure things out and get more data. I always wanted more data and to build on that and answer questions. And so medicine was a nice fit for me. 
Um, so I had to kind of piece that together and reach out to people. Like, can I shadow in your office? Can I, uh, can you tell me more about what it's like to be a doctor? And I, mm-hmm. I didn't even go to college thinking I'd go to med school. I went there thinking I'd be a physician's assistant because I didn't think I'd like school for that long, you know? And then when I got there, I just loved learning more and more about anatomy and physiology. So, um, you know, throughout uh, medical school, it was clear to me that I love neurology. I just, I, it's just how my brain works. I just love to see how things are connected and I can envision, you know, the pathways and things. And so, um, and I love to solve those puzzles. So neurology works well for me. So, um, you know, the first thing in my medical career, obviously, is just really harnessing my neurologic skills. Um, and then again, like things that, you know, again, made me angry or upset or frustrated, then I would be willing to work on. So one thing I could see right away in medicine is gender inequity, even though in the U.S., you know, I went to a state medical school. So this was, you know, 35 years ago that people, you know, our class was 50-50, but, you know, all my professors were male. Um, the majority of them, you know, the leaderships in the medical school were male. So there were no female leaders to look up to at that time. It is very obvious. Um, and so I got right away in med school. I, I joined um, in, you know, we have AMWA, which is the American Medical Women's Association, um, to start just to collaborate and learn how to speak about it. And because it's frustrating when all the analogies you're being taught in medical school are male analogies, like the army and, you know, military and cars and so we're asked to learn in a structure that's really speaking to mostly male interests. Mm-hmm. Um, and so right away, I was like, you know, this is not okay. This should, this should, we should be acknowledged that we're here too, especially when our class is 50, 50. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, so I think that's, you know, again, that's kind of fired me up. Like, I don't, you know, I'm here. I think that I should be spoken to in this classroom um, and acknowledged. And um, yeah, so I got active with gender equity pretty early in my career in medicine. Brilliant. And did that uh, lead to a, a kind of role within that kind of like diversity? Right. So then, yeah, so right away in medical school. Right. So in medical school, then I was the representative for AMLA mm-hmm. and that connected me to national uh, members and obviously senior women in medicine mm-hmm. who've been there for many you know decades. And then they could walk mm-hmm. us through what we can do at our own school. Um, another thing that kind of fired me up, I had some family members going through addiction and um, you know, that, you know, so then I got involved with that in my medical school. And then I got a leadership role in that, you know, where I went to national yeah. conferences um, uh, and partnered with some of the professors at the medical school. Um, so, yeah, so right away, you know, things that were either I saw as inequities or, or as needs for the class, mm. um, you know, then I became active in. I never considered it uh, leadership, but I just considered it like I want to do more in this space. Yeah. And I would try to connect to people maybe a couple steps ahead of me or way ahead of me. So that I can be involved in these national organizations. So I think yeah. that's how it started. Mm-hmm. I never yeah. really said oh, I'm going to be a leader. You know, I just went yeah. out and like I don't like how it is right now. I'm going to build on that and just yeah. you know, a lot of people have come before me and done a lot of hard work, and I just want to keep building on it. Yeah, yeah, great, great. So it sounds like you, um, your your passions uh, fueled you know you to then kind of seek seek out people and kind of network and be opportunistic and then collaborate and kind of get into roles that way right but just the goal of just making it a better place you know if it was service or enhancement of services within uh, med school like with addiction Mm. services then we learned you know that they're you know who to who to connect with in the community and we learned about resources so it was a lot of it was connecting resources back to our medical school um and connecting to regional and national sources of 
you know, mm. like let's say the AMLA meetings um, so that we could bring that back to our and have start to have meetings in our medical school. So I was bringing resources back to our medical school by connecting to either national or local um, organizations. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you, um, you ended up being the, the president of the women's professional staff association. Right. Of the how did that, how did that come about? Right. So I think similarly, you know, I said, Oh, um, you know, this, Again, I saw I did my residency and my fellowship training at Cleveland Clinic, and they uh, were very, you know, uh, lucky to have uh, an organization within Cleveland Clinic called the Women's Professional Staff Association, and that's mm-hmm. to support the women staff at MD or PhD level. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and that was started, you know, decades ago. And there's wonderful stories of you know the early surgeon, the female surgeons changing in broom closets; they didn't have a locker to change in, and mm-hmm. You know, they didn't think that women should work when they were pregnant, you know, like all these old mm-hmm. stories. And so we were, again, building on what they had done over the years. And I was volunteering mm-hmm. to be on committees um, and to run like CME courses that were focused on gender, um, gender equity and just supporting uh, women uh, physicians and researchers because there's unique uh, needs generally of, uh, you know, of women uh, yeah. researchers and, and uh, docs. So that's how I became active in it. Just working on committees, getting to know people and feeling kind of empowered myself and energized by being around people who are the change makers, mm. you know, the people supporting the staff. So then I just, I, that I, you know, ran for presidency and served as president, past president. And, and that really helped me to see the strategy and to be more involved in the whole enterprise. Mm-hmm. Because once you're at that level, then you connect with other, um, you know, organizations within the enterprise um, and so it really gave me like a bird's eye view of how the place yeah. runs and what needs to be done and how to, you know, act in high level meetings. And so it gave me a yeah. lot of skills, even though I was yeah. serving doing the role, but it actually, you know, built my skills as well. So yeah, that's yeah. something to encourage your listeners. Um, you know, we give our time for some of these, but we also gain new skills when we take those risks and say yes to committees yeah. or, or new roles. Yeah, that's great. It's great. Sounds like it was quite an innovative place to have that. Yeah, it's really wonderful. And it's yeah. yeah, yeah. We we you know, we come from a family of women docs at Cleveland Clinic that have were very um, you know, they're just really amazing women. And mm. we have a podcast called Insights and Inspiration. We have a Cleveland Clinic women's podcast to hear some of their stories. And it's you know, their their life journeys have been so inspirational. And so we mm. just wanted to build on what they were um, you know, they were they were showing us what could be. And so we yeah. wanted to keep building on that. Yeah. 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 And you definitely are. That's why you're, that's why I invited you here. So yeah, very inspiring. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay. So were there any people um, senior to you, uh, physicians or non-physicians, uh, female or male that, that helped you on your, on your way into leadership? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was a, a, the chief resident of my, my residency group and I can think of a wonderful doctor, Dr. Pat Sweeney and, you know, he he actually had two women be the chief uh, neuro- neurology residents, mm-hmm. and um, I remember having to go in to tell him when I was pregnant as you know <laughs> a, a chief resident. He just laughed, and he was such a kind guy. And I said, mm-hmm. you know, we'll t- we'll handle it. We'll get coverages. It'll be fine. And he was so supportive and wonderful, and always provide an opportunity for us to you know just a sounding board and to help us learn how to be leaders of of the residents. And then, yeah, there was, um, you know, Dr. Elaine Wiley and Dr. Kathy Sila. There was women staff at our department that were there, kind of like the closed doors, like when I was a new mom as a doctor, you know, like if you need anything or you need a place to, 
you know, pump while you're, you know, still pumping and back at work. And there was no um, nursing rooms then. And they were just quietly supportive and in a private way. So if you want to just talk as a person, as a new mom or as a women doc, you know, you're, you can come into my office, which was really so wonderful. And I, I try to do the same now um, because that's, it's just invaluable resource just to say, I'm here for you. My door's open. Just give me a call. And I would reach out to them periodically, like, oh, how do you do this? How do you get all this done? Like, how can I be a mom and a doc? And, you know, and so they would, you know, sit down with me and brainstorm and help me, you know, sketch out the next few steps. Yeah, there's been some great mentors along the way and and sponsors, you know, people who have recommended me for certain roles. Mm. Um, Yeah, especially when I'm willing to put myself out there, like when I was started to be more active with that Women's Professional Staff Association you know, then there would be sponsors saying, you know, she, she was willing to do this. Why don't you think about her for this role? Yeah. So that, that was neat. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. It's uh, Uh again, it just sounds uh, ahead of its time at the Cleveland clinic. You know, you had male allies and you had female colleagues who were encouraging you to um, pump your breast milk and things like that. I mean, right. Great place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think like anywhere there's really wonderful people and, and I think, you know, you have to take people up on their offer if you, if you need support, I mean, they were there and, you know, they don't say it more than once or twice, but they really mean it, you know, they say, you know, if you need something, come, come find me. And uh, when people say that they tend to mean it, you know, and if, if you take them up on it and they're not there for you, then, you know, to go to the next person that says it, you know, because sometimes people will say it and not mean it, but some people, when they say it, they really mean it, you know, that they're going to be there for you. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Thank you. So, I mean, it, it sounds like you had a, a, a nice, a very nice career pathway. Did you have, did you experience any, any problems along the way that you'd be happy to share? Yeah. I mean, I think like any time, um, you know, that there's challenges and they, you know, this, the same thing, like, are you must be the nurse, you know, you must, you must be the nurse or that, you know, if I walk in as senior resident and I'm with younger male residents, they'll, they'll, speak to the male residents and think I'm the nurse or the assistant or something. So, or they'll want to call me my first name. You know, the, the patients want to refer to me as my first name um, and, and call everybody else doctor. And that will happen with patients or that will even happen in lectures. And even Mm. that's still happening. I just had that happen to a colleague um, recently where they're still calling first name to the women, but using the titles for the males. So there's some very persistent, gender inequities that remain Mm -hmm. and they're, you know, embedded in cultures. Um, And so I think it's fine to call them out, you know, in a, in the right forum and say like, look, we're still doing this. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of the data shows still, you know, women are paid less, given less opportunities. Um, I still, I mean, I've been there now 30 years at Cleveland clinic just recently. And um, I've never had a direct female boss. I've never had, a female boss, even like two steps up from me. Mm. I've always been under males. Um, our chief of staff now is a woman, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, generally it's, you know, the, the leadership structure is, is not gender equitable. Um, especially since my medical school class, which was a state school is 50, 50, 35 years ago. So, so mm. most of the literature in so many areas of medicine is showing us that, um, you know, this, the genders are gender equity is just not keeping up with the leadership, the you know, the mm. salaries, et cetera. So I'm always watching that and advocating for that. I mean, I remain a, a gender equity advocate, you know? Yeah. Um, 
I just want to keep reminding people that there's a certain bias that we may have. Yeah. We all have a bias towards something. It's just kind of our neuroscience. Um, mm. I actually just saw you know a free assessment of, of biases. There's a Harvard uh, implicit test or some implicit bias test. It's free. So you could mm. you, you could just take it and see where your biases are um, because we all have them somewhere. It's really good to be aware of them. Um, but sometimes people naturally, you know, of course, will go to people that look like them and will pr- promote people that look like them. So mm. for sure, I've seen that, you know, over the years. Um, and so that's why we as Women Professional Staff Association or women staff within neurology and American Academy of Neurology, we're always, you know, kind of advocating just we don't want special treatment. We just want equitable uh, yeah. opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so these these problems are, are sort of still going on. They're pretty embedded and, you know, they're historic, but they're still still around. Um, obviously, you know, frustrating as a minimum and, and in some cases upsetting. How did you uh, cope with these sorts of situations and navigate through them and how would you advise the younger generation to do the same? Yeah, I would say stay with the builders, the change makers, you know, so find those people in your institution. Um, I mean, I'm I'm glad to complain about something and say, like, this is not all right. This isn't equitable. I mean, I, I have the same degree. I should be offered the same opportunities. Yeah. Um, and I think just saying that is fine. But if you have a uh, you know, a group or a committee, or you're part of a national or regional association where you have a louder voice because you mm. can advocate as a, as a team. Um, and if you can't find that in your institution, then look for a regional a medical association or, mm. you know, national medical association where you can join those teams and learn the data about this so that you can bring it back mm. to your own institution and uh, get some support. Because, you know, when you have a team of support around you, then you can feel empowered with the data and new skills. If you're not sure yeah. how to approach it in your institution, then I would go to your, you know, regional or national association and and learn about the data and then learn some skills to advocate yeah. um, for whatever issue it is. Like, you know, the thing that's really bothering me, making me angry these days is burnout, you know, so the healthcare yeah. workers being so exhausted and um, emotionally distressed and the data mm. is very concerning. And so that's where I'm, you know, putting a lot of my energy now. I mean, I still remain active in the gender equity space, mm-hmm. you know, in our institution and in our uh, department and things um, and nationally, but uh, that right now is it's not okay with me. You know, we we have yeah. to acknowledge that physiologically we need rest and we need care and we need support. And I I think you know there's some magical thinking that as physicians we can just not have sleep and not eat, yeah. not have time to for personal needs. You know, mm, mm. and it's not it's not going well. You know, I mean, we we're just at the meeting and somebody was telling me about another resident that committed suicide at another institution in the south. And already, I mean, so our I don't know what your yearly pattern but it's like right now this is when the new residents are starting yeah and um you know it's you know people have worked so hard to get to medical school and through and you know now in residency and they're there because they're passionate and they want to help people and i want to make sure that we acknowledge just the physiology of humans you know that what we need and to teach people some good emotional awareness skills and um you know and also there's some great, you know, foundations now within the U.S. because in our, you know, some docs when they renew their um, license, they have to say if they're under treatment for mental health conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not private, 
Uh, and that's a concern of some physicians. Yeah. So then they won't seek that. So there's certain barriers yeah. that uh, folks are really working on. And I, I want to be a part, again, of the change makers and, yeah. and the builders and to enhance the opportunities for our young docs. Yeah. That's, yeah. No, thank you. That's uh that's so important and uh, and really worthwhile work and great advice um, to encourage people to you know um, navigate towards uh, those those sorts of people. Um, thank you very much. Okay, so um, do you have any other advice for our listeners on how to become strong, kind leaders? I know I know you're you're very very kind, and clearly you are as. What was what was your word? Uh, happy to complain in in a way. <laughs> so you're, you're yeah, you get ten strong. minutes. You get ten minutes of complaining in my world, and then you got to do something, or yeah. you're not allowed. To, you're not allowed any more time to complain. Um, so do something positive about it. Uh, yeah, no, I would say just listen to you know, just listen to yourself at the end of the day, and you know, kind of do a daily map and what really were your highlights of your day. What really made you mad? I mean, that's okay to use that anger to, to know like, oh, each week I'm seeing, and you might want to take two weeks. I think when somebody puts some attention towards something, like what is happening? If you're frustrated at work or you're not sure of your next steps, um, you know, a great book I love, there's one called Design Your Work Life. It's by um, some professors at Stanford. And they suggest this, you know, like a two-week assessment of what are you doing throughout your day that really is like a high, it gives you energy, what takes your energy. Um, and you could get a good assessment. You know, I, I want more of this and and work is work, right? We know work, you are working, but they say really only, you only need about 30% of your work day to be some, to in, you know involve something that you're really passionate about to make you feel really good at work. Cause it is yeah. work. I mean, you are going to be working hard and getting tired at work, et cetera. Um, but I would say, please don't forget about your physiology, you know, mm. your brain needs your support and your brain is already, I think of your brain, like a busy parent, right? It's already busy. It's running your whole body. Mm. You know, it's already managing your blood pressure and your heart and your gut and it's your movement and your thoughts and your emotions. So when you're a learner, when you want to do something new, make sure you're giving your physiology more. So you need more rest, more nutrition, more attention, you need more quiet time um, because you're asking more of your brain, which is already busy. So it's like going to that busy parent, like, hey, can I, can you drive me to the, they'll say, well, will you help me here? You know, you need to like, can you do the laundry or cut the lawn? And then I'll, I can take you, you know? So, so there's trade-offs, I think of anything you do. And that's where I think like young residents, you know, there's, I see a lot of in the ACGME in the US, they're asking residents to formulate a professional well-being plan. Um, and so, you know, what is a professional well-being plan? Well, I think that's being, you know, that's actually kind of a new, uh, you know, a new demand. Mm. Uh, so I think we all can formulate our own professional well-being plan. Um, and what is that? I'll tell you what, you know, the brain is a neuroscientist, a neuroimmunologist. Obviously, I focus on the brain and what the brain needs. Mm. Um, you know, the we need connections like, you know, you and I meeting during a time Mm. when we were, you know, just so isolated. It was very exciting. You know, it was exciting to meet someone new. It's exciting to share resources. So absolutely put your energy into meeting people. People don't like to call it networking. It's fine. You know, don't call it networking then (laughs) as a bad (laughs) connotation. You're just building your resources. So when you have a question about something, you remember like, Oh, Adam's the guy. He's he's the bully coach. Like he's the guy. Um, so if I need something, I can go to Adam, you know, so that you want to 
talk to people, figure out what they're good at and build. Okay. If you don't want to mm. say network, then you're building your resources. So the brain needs yeah. that. Yeah. The brain needs, you know, physiology. You got feed and rest yourselves and give yourself quiet time yeah. um, to process. The brain needs time to kind of file things, you know? So again, if you're a learner, which the residents are, docs are all the time, we're always learning, you know, don't forget to give yourself what you need. Um, because yeah. it's not going to go well. You're going to be exhausted and you're not going to be able to think and focus and solve yeah. those big problems, which we're, I think we're all here to do something with our mix of gifts that we're given that we're here to do something really big. And we okay. get that inkling like, you know, we can do this, but then other times we're too tired to do it or we don't think we mm. can do it. You know, you were given a certain set of gifts and if, as long as you keep yourself well, yeah. um, yeah, then you can do it and you can do amazing things. The world needs you. So I would say keep going yeah. and reach out to people who are two steps ahead of you if you're not sure what to do and or somewhere you want to get to. Just ask them mm. for coffee, 10 minutes. 10 minutes, can we sit for tea, coffee? Um, can And all you have to ask them is, how did you get where you are? You don't have to ask them anything else because people love talking about themselves. <laughs> um, and they'll share gems with you. And that's all mm. you need. Is to, and they're a resource. And then you thank them. You send them a letter. And you you yeah. say, thank you for your time, you know, and then you have a new resource. Yeah. Um, so don't forget about the power of connection and just supporting your own self. Um, and then learn something about emotional awareness and emotional processing, because it changes how we perceive things and how creative we can be at work. Um, yeah. So those are some things, you know, you have to put your time in those buckets uh, because it will make all the difference. It's what the brain needs. So if you want to, you know, be the best you can be, whatever job you're doing, we need to also take care of ourselves. Yeah. Great. Great. So, um, so kind of like nourishing and replenishing the brain and, and, mm -hmm. you know, paying more than just lip service to well-being mm -hmm. with the brain mm -hmm. in mind is, mm -hmm. is good for strengthening your leadership skills Absolutely. And obviously connecting and, but you talked about emotional intelligence and emotional awareness and so on. And that's, is that your kind of key thing for kindness in leadership? Yeah. You know, I mean, the interesting thing as humans is we have an emotional synchrony. So you've seen that, like if somebody jumps into your, your conference room for a team meeting and someone, you know, if they're in a horrible mood and they slam their yeah. stuff down, it changes everybody in the room right away. Right. Like everyone's yeah. like on on edge yeah. then. So we all kind of share emotions. So if you yourself can put yourself in a good positive state, which you can, and there's a way to kind of manipulate our neuroscience to do that, then you bring so much more to your workday, right? So if you can yeah. put yourself in a positive state, you can then share that it will be contagious to your group. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of power in our daily actions. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So I, I think that just, and I think they're foundational. They're, they're simple daily actions that as a leader or potential leader or somebody who just wants to feel a little bit better in their work day, yeah. um, they're very accessible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I, uh, I did a talk a couple of weeks ago, uh, a, a real live in-person talk. That was exciting. Nice. Um, that um, I was on the, the benefits of kindness in the workplace and uh, obviously, you know, receiving receiving compliments and and receiving you know gifts and, and this this kind of stuff um is is good is is good for your well-being makes you feel makes you feel good you know and that's kind of has a knock-on effect on your health but the stuff that i read was saying that um you know actually giving compliments is much better for you than receiving you know in terms of the physiological benefits mm -hmm. and and mm -hmm. um you know and it's it sounds very very easy 
but actually some people are quite shy and don't have the confidence to be able to do that but you know in principle it's if the intention is there it's a good it's a good thing isn't it just people need to practice the skills of kindness just like you practice learning an instrument or something like that really but right i agree and i think if people don't know how to do it i think staying curious is a nice way it's like Hmm. what's important to you how was your weekend what do you like to do when you have 10 minutes off of work you know what's your favorite color like you stay curious because the person thinks oh do they actually care about me like yeah and you're you're what you you're likely to get that person to engage a little bit more on the team um, yeah. if you, yeah, I, I agree. Just, you know, just yeah. to lead with kindness. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think we're all here just to be empathetic. Like you, we yeah. don't know what somebody's going through unless we ask Yeah, and we don't have to get very deep very quickly, but you can ask a little something and yeah. you, you'll see that people will engage yeah. if they think you really yeah. care. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's great. That's really good advice. Yes. Yeah, it's showing a genuine interest and then mm-hmm. actively listening to the response. Right. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's great for, all relationships, but very good for leadership and, and team Absolutely. relationships. Isn't mm-hmm. it? So, yeah. Right. Cause you want your team engaged because teams generally are there to solve big problems. So if you have that mm. one person who's not engaging, curiosity is a great, and empathy is a great place to start. Yeah. I love I that. Thank you. you so much. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. From a neurologist, it must be, it must be true. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta be right. It's gotta be <laughs> right. Superb. Okay. So, um, we're coming to the end. So now I, I just wonder if you could um, tell us what your take home leadership messages would be for our listeners. Well, first of all, please, you know, take care of your own self first um, and just have some foundational skills that are non-negotiable, you know, that you feed yourself and water yourself and rest yourself periodically. Absolutely. Because you will then be able to bring more out of your team and solve those big, pro- those big problems and challenges. Um, So please put yourself first with those foundational skills. And then I would say lead with curiosity and don't be afraid to speak with somebody a couple steps ahead of you, especially where you want to go. The more we care for ourselves, the more we can actually, um, you know, we hear those little voice, the intuition of, you know, you you can engage your gifts a little bit more if you're well-rested and well-fed and well-watered, you know, so yeah. Otherwise, if you're just exhausted and toast, um, you really can't use all the gifts you've been given. So, you know, I think just make sure you have those foundational skills and then listen to your intuition and take a few steps every once in a while, something new and always be new at something. It's really good for brain, brain health um, to be a learner in some way, Um, but it's okay to be uncomfortable and there will be feelings with learning. You will feel uncomfortable. You will feel mad. You will feel angry. You will you will wonder why you're doing these things because when we're, when we feel, you know, we don't know everything, then, you know, we don't, it doesn't, it's not a positive feeling. So no, there will be feelings with learning, but you will get there. It's kind of like riding a bike, you know, it's hard. It's hard at first, Uh, but you have to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. You got this. You got this. You all have amazing (laughs) brains and they're made to learn and grow. So I believe in you. Mm -hmm. Mm, That's great. So, so, pay lots of attention to to the wellness of your of your brain because that's the the controller for everything and, and mm-hmm. helps with everything um and um yeah just lots of uh, kind of you know resilience and growth mindset uh it sounds like you were you were describing there you know in terms of learning new things and right mm-hmm. yeah. and it'll yeah. it'll be uncomfortable and it will feel yeah. good and then we have yeah. to also acknowledge that in our teams and we're working with teams and we're asking them to do something new no there will be emotions yeah. that they might be angry upset they don't want to do it it's hard because it's they don't have the pathway yet they don't have the neuroscience yeah. 
pathways built yet, but they will. Yeah. So just practice with them and give them support. Sometimes they'll call it like scaffolding skills. You teach them a little bit and yeah. give them support and keep building. Um, yeah. But I think we just acknowledge we we can be learners. We just need some yeah. support while we do it. Yeah. 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 Just get out of that comfort zone, and that's where the yes. the growth yes. occurs. Yeah. Absolutely. And yes, I was I was going to say yeah the uh, don't you can't pour from an empty cup is the thing I was thinking of saying 100%. before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the fantastic okay so um what are you what are you currently excited to be working on that um maybe you can be working on for the next kind of little while next few months yeah. that you're excited to yeah to i partnered with, with uh, i partnered with a life coach ali hively and we built a residency program um it's a resiliency and support program for uh learners and he- other healthcare workers nurses etc uh, so we have a few teams from four institutions going through it, and we have some resiliency scales pre and post and self-efficacy scales pre and post. And we see a nice gain. We It's a digital online course that's on, on it's app-based and mm. weekly coaching, so we can support them through change. It's been really an honor to see, you know, the residents gain these, again, these foundational skills because they're already busy and they're learning every day. So they're already demanding a lot of the brain. So we just gave them some foundational skills, how to do it when you're really busy. Um, it's been really an honor. I mean, one gentleman just said he learned how to love himself when he went through the course or, you know, so it's, I'm really just honored to support them because they're our future and I, and I want to make sure they have the foundational skills. And then we also have a team, um, a team support course similarly. So again, you know, we all share our emotional kind of synchrony within the team and the team's not going to be, you know, as profitable and as creative unless yeah. we address their foundational needs. So we do that with teams as well. Yeah. So that's been exciting. And then I have a course for women in medicine and busy women professionals called Synapse. So that's there to support them. So they, again, can keep building those skills and those uh, foundational skills and and mm-hmm. take that next next exciting step with some support. Mm-hmm. Is that an ongoing thing that people can keep signing up to? It is, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. They Excellent. can reach out to me. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, Good. absolutely. And the um, the app, I'm, in, I'm intrigued by the app. Is that just available to people on the residency programs? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So certain residents and even some residency programs have gotten a grant to buy the program. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so it's it's been exciting. You know, I, especially we just had a group of gynecology residents go through it and mm-hmm. You know, just to see them, they had these great, they sent us great pictures, new little babies. And, you know, I just love to support these young docs because they're doing really important work and yeah. it's a hard time in medicine. And I, I want to make sure that they're well supported. We need them. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Thank you so much. All right. So um, if uh, any of our listeners would like to reach out to you, and I, I hope they do, I hope they um, uh, do your course, your, uh, what do you call it? Synapse. Synapse. Course. Synapse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, organizations reach out to um, increase the number of cohorts you've got through the residency program. What's yeah, the best way for be them fun. to do so? Mm-hmm. So, thebrainfresh.com. Yeah. So, mm. you can do, look up brainfresh. Um, mm-hmm. That's me. And then, or Dr. Mary Rensel at Gmail. Yeah. Brilliant. Fantastic. And I'll, yeah. I'll make sure those links are in the show notes as well. Yeah. And, um, Finally, I can't believe our, our time together has, has come to an end. Um, do you have any closing words you'd like to share with the listeners? Well, I would just say just take a step at a time when you're learning and you're, uh, you know, you're hoping that something goes well and just and then reach out to people and build a team of support around you because that really is the key to a healthy professional well-being plan yeah. is to have a strong network of support around you. Don't don't go it alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Brilliant. That's great. Thank you. So thank you again so much for coming on the show and sharing all your wisdom and wonderful advice with us. And thank you to the the audience for listening. Um, Until the next episode in two weeks, I wish you all health, happiness and inspiring leadership. Thank you so much, Mary. Thank you so much for joining me and my guest on the Inspiring Women Leaders podcast today. I really hope you enjoyed listening to the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you did, please download the show and leave it a rating and a review so that together we can share the amazing lessons we've learned from my guests with listeners far and wide and help as many aspiring leaders as possible. Most of my podcasts will also be uploaded to my YouTube channel, Dr. Adam, Physician Coach. So please check out my channel there and hopefully you'll find some videos on similar topics to watch and enjoy. Finally, I have some exciting new group coaching programs and a membership scheme in the pipeline. So please keep a regular eye on my website, www.dradamharrison.com. That's www.dradamharrison.com for updates. Thank you again for your time today. And please join me next time, two weeks from now on Alternate Wednesdays for another brilliant episode of Inspiring Women Leaders.